This episode is sponsored by Martin Care. Welcome back to another episode of the Choose News Podcast. This week's episode is with Tamir Goodman. He was a top 25 high school basketball player in the U.S., nicknamed the Jewish Jordan by Sports Illustrated. And currently, he's a coach, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, and inventor. Tamir, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor and pleasure to be on the show. Thank you for uh, coming on. You're definitely one of the more requested uh, guests. And I guess we'll start with uh, your younger days, which is how did you get into basketball? Uh, I fell in love with basketball at a very young age. My older brothers played basketball, and they kind of took me to the gym one day, and I never wanted to leave. It was love at first sight, and I was also very blessed um, to grow up next to Coach Katz, uh, who lived in Baltimore as well, and coached my uh, older brothers. So um, it was love at first sight, but I was also like in the perfect ecosystem because of my family and my brothers and Coach Katz. Wow, and uh, when you were in 11th grade, you were already scoring over 35 points a game and ranked 25 best uh, high schooler in the country. Was the greatness of your achievement something you took pride in and reflected on, or was it something you didn't think about? I did not think about it. I did not think about myself. Um, I always, I grew up in a house that from a very young age, I learned that it was, everything's about Hashem, and, and we play basketball for Hashem, and we ultimately just try to make a Kiddush Hashem and try to take physical things and, and uplift them. That's the goal of Judaism. That's the way that I was raised. And uh, if Hashem gave me the blessing of basketball, then it was it was my job and my mission to try to do good uh, through basketball for other people and for Hashem, but it wasn't about me. Well, I guess that uh, kind of answers the first half of the next question, but you uh, chose to play with a keeper. Is that why? And also, do you ever receive pushback or hate because of it? I I... Yeah, I grew up in a very proud Jewish home. I believe my father of blessed memory was, if not the first, or definitely one of the first lawyers in America to wear his kippah in court. And I you know, I remember going to, to court with him one day as a kid and, and thinking that it was so cool that my father was the only person there wearing a kippah. And I remember one time the judge asked to, to talk to him and my father went up to, in front of the judge and I was in the way back and I saw my father was wearing his kippah. And I, I, that was like a big moment for me in my life. And I, I just... I grew up in that atmosphere of trying to make a Kiddush Hashem. Um, almost every single time people respected my keeper. There was even a time where my game fell off in the middle of a college game and one of my teammates ran out to half court, picked up my keeper, put it back on my head for me while I was at the sideline. Uh, wow. think, you know, and, but but there, you know, even if there was negativity, it usually turned into positivity. I remember one time playing in college and the student section was an away game. They were making singing a chant about my keeper the whole game. And at the end of the game, they actually came to shake my hand and they told me that even though we were making fun of that hat all night, you never took it off. Congratulations. So I think our job is to be proud of who we are. And even if there is negativity, hopefully it will flip over to something positive if, if we're proud of who we are and, and continue to act in a, in a way of respect, where we respect ourselves and respect others. Usually it makes other people want to respect us as well. Nice. And you already mentioned uh, Coach Katz once, but you, know, you quote him a lot online in person. <laughs> why, why is it that you uh, got a connection with him? And what are some things that he gave over to you that you still find so valuable? Well, I think it was, uh, you know, well, I know it was, it was from Hashem that, that I grew up next to him because he was so unique and so different. And, and I, I, I know that if I grew up somewhere else, I wouldn't have been able to, to do what I, what I was able to do or live the way that I live because he never let me settle from a very young age. Um, he really tried to teach me to see things in a different way than other people and especially Jewishly and also on the basketball court and uniting those two areas and um, he just he taught me 
how to be accountable and how to be responsible and how to never let society dictate what you can or cannot do and how to go about your day and how to be prepared and how to bounce back when you mess up and how to react when you win and how to take care of your mind and how to take care of your body and how to respect yourself and how to respect the game and how to respect everybody around you and just every part of my life he's educated me and um i think that you know that was i i just yeah he's just everything to me because he educated me and continues to educate me every day i i, I posted yesterday you know the famous quote like I say the harab, like, you know, a lot of people struggle with that. And a lot of people have to go many years until they find that person or that rabbi or that mentor. And thank God I, I, I was blessed with, with that from age seven. And I, you know, 30, 33 years later, I still talk to coach every day. And I'm mm-hmm. uh, very, very blessed with that. And I don't take it for, for granted. Those are a lot of uh, really nice lessons. But um, were there uh, things from your father or others that also contributed towards your attitude towards the sport? Yeah, my father, uh, blessed memory, I think. What was really unique about, you know, my, my mom's still alive, but very unique about my parents is that they always believed in me. Even at a very young age, I said, I want to be a Jewish basketball player. They never said that that's going to be impossible. They always backed me 100%. Um, my father had unconditional love for me. He loved the game very much, but he never, ever mentioned anything to me about basketball or corrected me on the basketball court. He left that up to the coaches. The only time he ever told me everything, anything was one time when I pumped my fist in the air when I was a young boy, after I hit a game-winning shot, he taught me, he said, you know, don't don't react like that. You always must remember that Hashem gave you basketball and you must always practice humility. So that was the only time my father ever mentioned anything to me uh, on the court. Otherwise, it was just all conditional love or if I had something to say, he listened. And I think that was like the best atmosphere to be in because I had all the support and all the conditional love and never any of like the criticism or any of the negativity that sometimes we see. So... That was also a very big miracle. And and I would say a couple other things. My grandmother was a Holocaust survivor, and I grew up with her. She grew up in our house most of the year. And also a very big influence for me in my life was Lubavitch Rebbe. Um, you know, I, I grew up very close to, to Chabad, Gdavin and the Chabad Shul, and got to go to the Rebbe and got to be at the Rebbe's Lag Bomer Parade. And, you know, some of those moments really um, instilled a tremendous amount of Jewish pride in, in me. Wow. And... Uh... You were in a Sports Illustrated and every media outlet from ESPN to NBC asking to speak with you. What, what was it like growing up with so much media attention? And do you think that affected you positively or negatively? Yeah, there was a lot of media, but I know that because of the way that I grew up and because of Coach Katz, it, I knew from a very young age that it really wasn't about me. And that's why when Sports Illustrated came, I put my twillin on because it wasn't about me. It was about the, you know trying to do good for something bigger than myself. And I think that helped me handle it as good as possible. It was very overwhelming, but if it was would have just been about me or my ego or my love for the game, I, I wouldn't have made it through all the ups and downs. And because it was about something bigger than myself, so it allowed me to never be satisfied when things were going really well and then also to hopefully pick myself up when I was making mistakes or off track. It got me back on track because it, it wasn't about me. It was about something bigger than myself. So having the Torah and the blueprint for my life uh, was everything and is everything. And I, I wouldn't have been able to go through this. I would have crashed uh, if it wasn't for that. Wow. And what was college recruitment like? And how did you speak and give over your Jewish commitment to them? Well, my college recruitment um, in a lot of ways was normal in that I went to the camps. I went to the invitational camps and I was invited to NBA camp and ABCD. I was at the famous ABCD camp, even when Sonny Vaccaro was still there. and. 
I got you know I participated in all those games, all star games, and the five star orange white classic. Like I did all that, and I got all the recruiting letters. Um, I think what was unique was that ultimately I gave my scholarship back to the University of Maryland, <laughs> and also Towson University came along and they said even though they weren't Jewish, they wanted to try to help me, and they did. They changed the entire schedule for me, and I was able to get a full scholarship, Division One, without having to plan about any Jewish holidays and. I remember one time one of the recruiting letters from Towson University, somehow, I don't know, someone wrote it for coach or someone taught coach how to write it, but he wrote me Shana Tovah in Hebrew. Uh-huh. So I, I knew that that was like, that's where I wanted to play. And um, I'm still very close with coach until uh, today. That's uh, pretty special. And uh, do you ever regret not going to Maryland? I don't regret not going to Maryland. I think it was the right decision. It obviously worked out really well for them because they won the national championship. It worked out really well for me because I was able to live out my dream without playing on Shabbat. Um, and ultimately, I'm still on very, very good terms with uh, a lot of people on that program, the coaching staff. I'm still in touch with Steve Francis. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I feel like everything's from Hashem. And, um, sh- you know, I think Shabbat is an internal blessing that lasts forever. And um, I'm glad that I chose Shabbat. And, uh, but at the same time, I have nothing against anybody at Maryland or never did. And I'm still very, very close, especially with one of the coaches till today. It's uh, really impressive. And uh, how did you end up playing basketball in Israel? And what was that like? Uh, unfortunately, after my freshman year at Towson, uh, my coach got fired and a new coach came in and he did not accommodate me. And uh, something really bad happened in the locker room. Uh, it led up to a really bad event that actually just exploded in the locker room. And that was the last time I ever played college basketball. Um, I was broken after that incident, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I actually never wanted to play again. And I quit. And... Um, Eventually, I, I picked myself up and I said, Hashem gave me basketball and I needed to try to do good through basketball. And even if something really hard happened to me, I, I can't let someone else dictate you know, my mission in this world and what Hashem's expecting from me. So I got to pick myself up. And I picked myself up and I started training again. And I got a great phone call from Coach David Blatt, um, who was the first Israeli to coach in the NBA. He's a great coach. He needs Rafael Shalema, so hopefully Hashem will send him one. And he first he sent me to Princeton. He said, go work out there and and with the coaches there and if they say you're good enough then I'll come down from Israel to train you uh, try you out and I went up there and they got a good report so then he came to America we met in New York and after one hour or one hour tryout I signed a three-year contract to Maccabi Tel Aviv and that's how I got to Israel. Very nice and uh, how and when did you start your uh, basketball camps that you run and how does it compare to playing? Um, well unfortunately already into my rookie pro season my knee started hurting um, I did get play professionally for seven years, but every year was just battling terrible injuries and surgeries and surgeries and physical therapy. So I had no choice but to start running camps and clinics because I, I being an active player wasn't really working because I kept on getting hurt. So that's when I started doing the camps and clinics. I've worked with thousands of kids around the world. And actually, my injuries were a blessing because they allowed me to have a new sensitivity to struggle. And a lot of times kids struggle. You know, I know what it's like when it's only like when I learned to what happened, you know, what it felt like when I lost my dream, when I couldn't play anymore, when I was supposed to be at the height of my career. That made that made such a sensitivity to struggle to me. And a lot of times I see kids struggling, I, I feel like Hashem put me through that so that I could be sensitive to them and help them in their journey. And I think that's why ultimately I was given basketball. So I love my camps and clinics. I have three this summer, and uh, I've worked with thousands of kids, and I'm forever grateful for the opportunity to use basketball as a tool to hopefully empower them in their lives. Wow, and recently you released your own uh, basketball net. How did that idea uh, come up, and uh, what's it trying to change? 
Yeah, well, during the pandemic, we got an email from the Israeli Basketball Association that said we can't pass basketball anymore because there's bacteria on the ball and you could get players sick or the referee sick. So every player needs to go to practice with their own ball. And I was like, wow, I, I can't believe we got to the point where we can't even pass the basketball. So I thought of an idea. I'm like, why don't we use the net almost like as a car wash where we can disinfect the ball every time it goes to the hoop. And then that way we won't have the problem and the players could stay safe. So I built an antimicrobial net that takes the bacteria off the ball and it's also moisture wicking so it takes a sweat off the ball so the ball's not as slippery and um, thank god we just signed with Dick's Sporting Goods and um, it's changing basketball around the world because it's allowing players to play better because the ball's less slippery and it allowing them to stay safer because it takes off the bacteria and we also have a cool signage logo system where teams could like put their own logo on the net or a sponsor's logo on the net and take it on and off and give his memorabilia or as a thank you to seniors on senior night, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of fun things you could do. So it's it's a really exciting project. Sounds uh, really cool. And are you working on your own documentary now? Yeah, we're working on a documentary. Um, very exciting. We signed with a really big uh, movie, sports movie company, um, and it's coming along really nicely and um, should be out soon. And I'll, I'll be sure to keep everybody posted. I guess well, we'll look forward to it. And I guess uh, with uh, two or three more questions to end, you know, we already spoke about a lot of the things you've done. I'm curious, how, how do the following four highlights from your career uh, compared to each other. How do you rank them? The first being in Sports Illustrated, Call the Jewish Jordan, having to fill in. And then also your net, as you mentioned, gets signed with Dick's Sporting Goods and it's used everywhere. The third thing is running basketball camps and also having guests like Amari Stoudemire or even singers like Benny Freeman there. And what about uh, playing Maccabi? Yeah, I, I think it's all actually the same. It's all one thing. I do everything. I, I If I feel like Hashem wants me to do it, you know, I'm going to go do it. And so it, it all falls under the same category. All those things you mentioned were something that like, I felt like Hashem wanted me to do it and I went out there and, and tried to do it. And I think it's for everybody. You know, the Rebbe always says like, if you see something in this world that you could fix, well, Hashem put you there to fix it, to partner with Hashem and do it. So if, if I get a thought in my brain that I feel like Hashem is putting me there on that mission, then I'm gonna go out there and do it. You know, kind of like what you did with, with your podcast. Yeah. So my bracha to everybody is, you know, know how special you are, know what your unique um, mission is within your Daladamos, in your, in your area, in your community, or whatever space you're in, and go out there and, and, and make it a, a better place for you and everyone else around you, and that's our special job in this world. Oh, man, and uh, I guess with the two more questions, one is, you know, growing up, I always heard about you, and my uncles and, and relatives always spoke about you as a... Uh, mm-hmm some hero and recently your name's kind of resurfaced in the news both for what you're, you've been doing but also because in uh, Yeshiva University Ryan Terrell is the queer for the draft and people call him the next Jewish Jordan we're also a great Jewish star is his story one you see uh, yourself uh, parallels in and also uh, do you like when people uh, call him the Jewish Jordan also or is that your thing? <laughs> I, you know I, I never like being called the Jewish Jordan so um, but I, the, you know, I guess the way I see it is is like you know, when I was growing up on Friday night, after the meal, uh, like before we fell asleep, my father would read us uh, stories. My father, blessed memory, would read us stories about Jewish athletes, Hank Greenberg and Sandy Koufax and things like that. And I never thought like I was going to grow up and like replace them. I always felt like I was going to just be one with them, continue with their mission. Um, so it wasn't like a, a comparison. It was like, you know, it's almost like your, you, your right hand doesn't get uh, uh, jealous of your left hand if they're both trying to pick this thing, you know, pick something up, but they're working together, you know, they're doing the same thing, they're, you know, so yeah. I, I just feel like 
hopefully I, I was a tiny bit of a continuation of trying to make a Kiddush Hashem through sport and Ryan's doing that as well so it's all like one thing the way I see wow. it one continuation if that makes sense yeah um, and um, what, what, what else what was the other part the, the no, nickname the that was good one, yeah, yeah. Anyway, whoever wants to have that nickname could have it it's, it's fine with me very nice <laughs> and uh, the, the last question is you know that you're working on a documentary now and I saw you've been on almost 20 other podcasts you've been in big publications both Jewish and non-Jewish which means that naturally you've been asked a lot of questions in addition to everything from your camps. But even, even though you've been asked so many questions throughout your whole life, mm. there's always questions people were never asked that they wish they were. So the last question of every podcast <laughs> is, reflecting on all the questions you have been asked, what's a question you've never been asked that you wished you were, and what answer would you give to it? Um, I think, I don't know, I don't really think too much about what people would ask me, but usually people don't ask me too much about non-basketball stuff or just my life in general non-basketball things so i guess i if anybody's interested i don't know i love my family that's like my main thing and my wife and my five kids you know um i i love working out i love learning i love learning you know now more than ever because i'm very dyslexic and with all these podcasts that are out now in the shurim online it's like a game changer for people like me because growing up in school is very intimidating you go into base measures just thousands of books and like I have no chance of understanding or reading any of them because of how dyslexic I was and here I am now and you could you, you could you can learn so much from so many great people you know so I, I think I thank you for what you're doing and everybody for what they're doing because for me specifically it's very helpful and that nowadays we could listen we could listen and learn and so you know off of the court I would say we're off of basketball I love my family I love working out and, and learning and um, feel very very blessed thank God that Hashem has blessed me so much and continues to bless me and lo loving every day, really. <laughs> well, very nice. Thank you again for joining. Uh, your answers about basketball and the things uh, related to it that we touched upon, uh, I guess, make people, uh, that people are probably hoping to hear the, the rest from you. But is there anything else you want to mention before we end? No, thank you for thinking of me and just sending blessings to everybody. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this past episode of the Jews Schmooze podcast. To get our latest updates and contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at Jews underscore schmooze. If you want to sponsor an upcoming episode, you can reach out to Jews Schmooze Marketing at gmail.com. And if you give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on, that will be tremendously appreciated. Thank you so much, and hope you're looking forward to the next episode also.